That's the same thing I'm doing right now inside of the RV park space is going, okay, who is it I can partner with right now where I can bring value to them and we can start taking down some masses together because I see a maiden runway in that asset class right now. Welcome to the Apartment Investing Journey, where we explore every facet of multifamily investing and development with top investors, brokers, and service providers who share their strategies, successes, and secrets to help you on your apartment investing journey. Hey guys, David Robinson here. Welcome to the Apartment Investing Journey. I've got another great episode, another great guest for you today. I'm excited to have Sam Wilson on the uh, show with me today. Sam, welcome, and thank you for spending some time with us. Hey, David, the pleasure's mine. Thanks for having me on. So Sam is an active investor in RV parks and RV and boat storage with experience in multifamily, self-storage, parking, and land. He hosts the daily How to Scale Commercial Real Estate podcast and participated in over $30 million in acquisitions just in the year 2021. So uh, Sam, uh, our podcast is all about the journey. We'd love to sort of hear about your progression in the space. And so if you don't mind, let's back up and let's talk about how it all started for you. Uh, maybe a little bit about your background and how you got into the space. Yeah, it's a great question. I, I grew up in the trades uh, up in Indianapolis. So my family was always in the flooring business. We owned a flooring company. So I kind of was inducted into the flooring business. Yeah, gosh, I think I remember first time on the job site, about nine years old, going out and working, you know, working in the trades. And that's all I knew all the way until I was 30. Uh, I bought out part of the company when, because at that point we had grown, my brother and I had started our own company. We'd grown it. I'd bought out part of it. Ran it. I mean, we had 30 some odd employees till I was 30 years old. We ended up selling that because I was done with the flooring industry kind of as a whole. And even last week, I got a random email. It was like something about flooring. I'm like, oh, Lord, no, I'm done. It's been a decade <laughs> and I still can't get away. But uh, yeah, so, you know, we did that until I was 30. And then I had uh, money and time on my hands. I didn't know what to do next. Not college educated. Not that I even think that really matters, but I wasn't college educated. And I had no real prospects. I mean, what's going to do with a guy that's all he's known as the trades. Like I'm a, I'm a tradesman. I'm a business owner. I'm compl I'm completely unemployable because I'd probably, I would fire myself if I had, if I worked, had to work for myself anyway. So completely unemployable and just kind of faltered for about a year going, Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Like, what am I going to do with my life? And then randomly bought a house one day because I grew up in the trades. Uh, I saw an auction coming up and I went to the auction. There was only one other guy there at the auction bidding on it. So I paid you know, for a bottom bottom of the barrel prices, I made a, made a fistful of money on it, and I said, "Well, I'll just keep doing that." And so here we are, nine years later. Obviously, many iterations later, many asset classes later, as most people do in this business. You kind of start in single family, and I just, I mean, I ran the auction circuit for for years. Um, you know, doing only foreclosure auctions, the sole source of purchases, and um, you know that's how I got started. And then in 2018, really transitioned into commercial, into syndications, into being a passive investor in other deals, as well as taking down deals actively. And that that also has had its kind of iterative process. But uh, happy to get into that when it makes sense. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. So, uh, you know, a lot of our listeners come from the small multifamily, and, and we've got a lot of listeners that are in the single family space right now, fix and flip space, wholesaling space, and are wanting to learn more about how you transition into larger commercial multifamily. So I'd love to sort of back up and, and talk about that transition. You know, you bought that house at auction. It sort of got you started, you know, going down this path of investing in real estate. And then you kept doing that for years. And uh, so, you know, what was it that, that you know, caused you to want 
to start looking into commercial, why not stay in, you know, that single family fix and flip or whatever you're doing, fix and flip wholesale, you know, buy and hold, burr, whatever, whatever the strategy was, why not stay in that space uh, rather than, you know, push into commercial? It's the lowest barrier to entry. I think there's a simple way to put it. Anybody can play in the single family space. If you want to get in real estate, it's the lowest barrier to entry. And I think I always, whatever I've done in life, I've always wanted to look left and right of center. Like, okay, if everybody else can do this, that means there's opportunity here. It's like I was going to the airport the other night to pick up my, actually, we we're both coming home, but I went to get the car and come back and get my wife. And everybody is lined up on the outside of the curve going to the pickup line. I'm like, guys, there's two lanes here. So I just get in the left lane. <laughs> I mean, there's dashed white lines and everything. They're all just like, just lined up in a line. I'm like, thank you for lining up over there because that shows me I can go this way and get, I mean, I was in and out 10 times. People still waiting to get in. The, they did not made it in the garage yet to pick everybody up. I'm like, this is ridiculous. So I think, you know, employing that kind of same thinking to real estate or anything else is like, okay, I want to look left. And right of center. So I think the question, if I recall, was how did I get into commercial? Was that right? Yeah. Well, you know, why why you even decided to? Obviously, you wanted why? to sort of break free of uh, you know the the where there was maybe a little bit less competition and more opportunity than what you saw in the single family space. But and then let's talk about the mechanics of making that transition because a lot of people have that same mindset. Like, hey, you know, there's a lot of you know noise happening in the single family space. You know, maybe I should push into the commercial space. But from a tactical and strategic perspective, that's a challenge for many people. So what did that look like for you from a very, you know, a pragmatic perspective? The same thing I'm doing right now, because we're kind of making that adjustment yet again right now in commercial real estate, and we can get into that. But the thing I did in 2018 is I found somebody in that left of center space, which in this case was parking. And I said, hey, man, I want to learn the parking industry. It's a real estate play. It's a great real estate play. You can you know, buying parking garages and buying uh, buying parking lots, which is, I mean, they're, they're brilliant assets to own. But uh, I didn't know anything about it. And so I had to go to somebody that was very active in the space and find a way to add value. I mean, I flew to I flew to where he lived uh, a couple of times, went and toured cities with him. Hey, man, I'll do anything you need. What can I do to learn this business from you? Tell me how I can add value to you. I wore him out. Five months of, hey, 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 you know, what can I do? How can I help? And eventually he's like, hey, all right, just, just meet me here and I'll teach you the business. Okay, great. Well, we, we set up a deal. He said, look, any deal you bring in, we'll split it down the middle and we'll both go make money. So it didn't cost him anything, but, but you know, a, a half a day of his time kind of educating me on what the space looked like. And then, you know, I, I made him a lot of money, which is a great way to start. And I, and I saved myself the pitfalls of going out and trying to figure this business out on my own because I didn't know what I was looking at. I mean, like, oh, hey, here's a parking, here's a random parking lot. What do you think? Okay, we're going to bring in XYZ and look at all this and make sure that this, you know, things I would have never thought about. And that's the same thing really I'm doing right now because we've, we did, you know, we did parking all the way until the pandemic and then parking really, fortunately for us, we had divested of our assets just before the pandemic, which was great. And then parking got crushed. It's, it's coming back in select cities and markets. It's very, very laser focused though on what makes sense in parking right now. So we just haven't gone back into that asset class, but that's uh yeah, that's, that's the same thing I'm doing right now inside of the RV park space is going, okay, who is it I can partner with right now where I can bring value to them and we could start taking down some assets together because I see amazing runway in that asset class right now. 
Well, and let's go back to you know finding that mentor because that's a critical component of your success. So back in 2018, you know, uh, you know, how did you go out and find? You know, there's a lot of education around multifamily, so I think it's easy to go find someone in the multifamily space. There's you know mentorship groups. There's you know you know masterminds and all that. But parking a little bit different, and it plays to what you were trying to do. You know, going left of center or right of center because parking isn't necessarily the play that most people get into when they're first starting in commercial. So talk to us a little bit about that of you know, finding that mentor in that space. How'd you go about doing that? You know, the good old fashioned networking. I mean, conferences, that's uh, to this day, still a phenomenal way to go and find and meet people that are doing cool stuff. I don't recommend you wear yourself out on it. I'm at the point now where I go to two a year and that's it. You can, you could go to a conference every other week if you wanted to in commercial real estate and never get anything done. But that's how I did it. And of course, secondly, I mean, everybody knows this. So I'm not telling your listeners anything they don't already know, but LinkedIn's become an incredible network professional networking platform it's 10 times better than it was even three or four years ago so if you're not on there actively connecting with people in the industry you want to be in i mean go do that that's you're going to make friends and and find some amazing contacts there now maybe i think that like i said a few years ago you wouldn't have found so those are two very strategic ways that you can do that yeah Okay, so let's talk uh, real quick. You mentioned you just sort of glossed over the fact that you divested of all of your parking prior to the pandemic. So that doesn't just happen, you know, uh, happens. Maybe it did. Maybe it was just sort of happenstance. But talk to us a little bit about that decision. Why did you get out of that space, you know, and, and prior to the pandemic? Yeah, because we got an amazing offer on our properties. And it was like, well, I mean, parking is a long term. And especially when some of, some of it was stuff that couldn't be redeveloped. So it was only a parking only a parking Mm. play. So in parking, it's great if you can find a rectangular or a square lot in the central business district and you're like, oh, well, it's one acre of land. This can easily be redeveloped into something else. But when it's an oblong corner lot, triangular or something, or it's got a dog leg in the middle of it, it's like, okay, in order for anybody to ever assemble all the buildings on this block, tear them down and redevelopment, it's going to be a work of art. Whereas, you know, the, the assets we had just weren't redevelopable. And it was like, okay, well, it's just a parking play. And we're going to double our money and we can all run and go home. Okay. I mean, you do the time value of money calculation. That's, that's exactly what it was. It's like, well, we can hold this for 12 years and make that same amount of income that we could make in selling it today. Let's go ahead and sell it today. That makes yeah. sense. Okay. Great. And so, uh, you know, you decided to then transition to RV and uh, RV, store, RV storage. So talk to us a little bit about you know, how, how are you selecting parking and then RV, right? Uh, talk to us a little bit about how you're making that decision. Yeah. Opportunistic, man. I mean, that's, that's it. You know, there's the, you know, the, the idea that he who chases two rabbits catches none is one that I think your listeners should well be, um, you know, keep in the back of your mind as I say this, cause I've, I've suffered some, I've suffered a little bit from not shiny object syndrome, but, but kind of too many things going on at once. So I'm really, really dialing in um, on these two asset classes for a particular reason, but also being opportunistic. And I think that's something you don't don't want to overlook. So last year, somebody brought a project to me and said, hey, I think we need to build a boat and RV storage facility in this particular reservoir. Here's why. I went up, I saw the project. I'm like, well, I hadn't really ever thought about boat and RV storage. And I just, you know, it took took a, a soft pass at it. Like, well, this is this is really intriguing. Let's do some market research. Did some market research. I'm like, oh, this is an amazing market to be in. And I go, oh, wait, what's going on in the RV industry? So start digging into RV industries. The next thing you know, you're like, there is a lot going on here that is, it's kind of at the front at the front end of, of uh, where I think this is going. I see RV parks in particular 
as were mobile home parks were maybe five or six years ago. They're trading at a much higher cap rate. They are, you're buying a business. It's less of a real estate play and more of a business play, but there's so much that goes into RV parks and we can get into that. So doing the, the RV and boat storage and seeing how underbuilt that side of the business was, I also go, wait, there's also RV parks and that's terribly underbuilt and over or undersupplied as well. So what does that look like? Uh, and, and that's just how I got into it. So we did this boat and RV storage project and I go, there's, there's a lot more here. And as opposed to duking it out with everybody else, which we did do two multifamily deals last year. Uh, and we can talk to how I took those down because there's some strategic ways that I've taken those down without adding to my administrative burden. So happy to chat about that. But, um, you know, that, that, that's when I just started looking at it and I go, okay, if there's runway here, then we need to double down on, you know, playing in a sandbox where everybody else isn't playing. And so that's, that's what brings us to today. So I have to ask you because my mind and, and the way that I function is I got a one track mind, right? I, I try to stay focused because uh, uh, I don't think I'm smart enough to handle a bunch of different, uh, you know, asset types and asset classes. Right. Here you are. You mentioned that you've closed two multifamily deals. You came from parking and you're really going heavy into RV parks and, and boat storage. How were you able to effectively uh, analyze deals and go and, and handle everything that goes into, you know, researching, sourcing, you know, negotiating, you know, writing contracts, writing offers, and being able to find opportunity if you are, you know, open to multiple different asset types and asset classes. Easy. Partners. I mean, that's the short of it. I, and I tell people this all the time. It's, it is, especially in multifamily, like I don't have any friends. If you pick a city and I got a friend who's fishing in that pond, Right. I do somewhere. I, it doesn't matter where it is. You know, Greensboro, North Carolina, I got a buddy doing that. Like, so if everybody's fishing in each pond, right, why do I need to go out there and throw another line in the water, bait my hook and try to reel in the same fish they're getting? Hey, just call me when you got a fish on the line. I'll come help you reel it in. So partners, that's that that has been my approach the entire time. It's like so somebody brought me, you know, two multifamily deals last year and said, hey, Sam, I'd love to have you participate with us. Help us bring capital, help us manage it because I'm bringing some ministry contacts to the table. They don't have and I'm actively part of the team, but at the same time, I'm not writing the contracts. I'm not sending LOIs. I'm not writing the PSAs. I'm not doing any under, I, I do underwriting in the sense that they will send me the finished file because I'm kind of a nerd and I can, I can get lost in a spreadsheet for a few hours, probably prime me away from Excel, but it's like, um, I, that's the only underwriting I'm doing. Everything's already put in. I just want to kind of verify and get a, a good, hard understanding of of where where we are from a numbers perspective. But outside of that, I'm not underwriting 100 deals to get one. I'm underwriting one deal that's already under contract to see if I want to participate. That's a much more manageable and scalable way to get into a lot of these opportunities. So, and, and on that side, you know, that, that's on the multifamily side. I did that on a, on a fund of funds in a large self-storage syndication last year. And so really the only active deal I had in 2021, what year is it, 20, yeah, 2021, was the boat and RV storage facility. So mm -hmm. and that's much more manageable from a from a you know a one man shop mm -hmm. to do that than it is to go out and take all because there's just there would, it would be physically impossible for me to keep up with all of those moving pieces by myself. Yeah. And how did you source the RV park and boat storage? That was brought to me. Again, it was somebody that didn't have the expertise to take it down. They had the opportunity. They said, hey, I think I'm sitting on a gold mine. Tell me how to how, you know can, can you help me with this? Yeah, well, maybe let's go look at it. And suddenly I'm like, oh, wait, you are sitting on a gold mine. And yes, I can help you get funding. And yes, we can put the money together. And yes, I know syndications. And so it was a perfect, a perfect team. I mean, it, it yeah, worked out great. So that's, uh, that's how I sourced that. 
Yeah, and the same thing in RV parks. I mean, that's where we're going this year is going long into RV parks, which always tend to have a storage component to it, or at least a you know capacity for for storage along with those. So that's the same thing I'm doing right now, but I'm going to take a much much more active approach, maybe because we are really niching down and going long into RV parks. I, you know, I, I want to be I want to be very very active in that space. So yeah, that's that's how I'm going to do that, and I, and I don't really intend on taking down more multifamily this year unless it was just a home run deal, which those are hard to find right now, as you probably know. Yeah, so, for sure. Question. Well, then let's talk a little bit about you know your game plan in the RV park space. You mentioned that you're really going to hone in on that space. You know, what does that mean to you when you say I'm going to hone in on that? What what does that actually mean for our yeah, listeners? Yeah. So, so uh, step one, and this is this is one of my active uh, active goals right now is finding an operating partner, maybe that's just a step or two ahead of me, somebody that maybe owns a park or two but needs my skill set, somebody that goes, hey, we're ready to grow. We understand the RV park operationally, the RV park space operationally but we don't have necessarily capital backing or the uh, investor relations team. We don't have the outreach team. That's all stuff I love doing. I can stay on the mm-hmm. phone and talk deals all day long. If you ask me to go out and worry about hiring somebody at the front desk of an RV park, I'm probably going to glass over in the eyes and be like, oh, shoot, I, I don't know. Like, So I need that partner. I need that operating partner that, that is ready to grow. And so for me, that's, that's, that's the person I'm honestly on the hunt for right now. It's going, okay who's out there just getting their feet wet, but already knows more than I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. So if you're listening and you're that guy, we'll give you the contact info to reach out Jeez. to Sam here at the end of the show. But uh, yeah. Uh, and that's how, honestly, that's how it starts, right? You know, you have an opportunity with your podcast to connect with a lot of different people. I mean, you're doing a daily podcast, so you're doing, you know, 30 interviews a month with quality people all around the country. And, uh, you know, how you have little conversations. And so for you that are listening right now, you know, if, if you want to get uh, if you're looking for a partner or you're looking for deals or you're looking for equity, well, you know, get on pod, get on a podcast tour. There are so many podcasts out there. You can get on that tour, tell a little bit about your story, add value to people and then let people know what you're looking for. So that's awesome. Yep. So where, what do you see on the horizon for your business, Sam? I'm curious, sort of big picture, you know, maybe five years out, three to five years out. What are you trying to build? What are you doing? That's a great question, to be honest with you. In the RV park space, man, I'd love to just go as big as we can. I want to, I want to, I mean, because I see, I see humongous runway there in the industry. We had 600,000 new RV deliveries in 2021. We're already on track for that for 2022. Which I think 2020 had 350,000, which was a which was a sharp increase over 2019 of like 250 or 275,000. So as you can tell, there's an enormous amount of RVs being delivered to the market right now. I just got a report from oh gosh who was it? I'd look it up here, but it was uh, Colliers or somebody like that. That's like if you're ever going to build, if you can build a mobile home park or a RV park, which are easier to build, a lot easier to get approval for those. Now is the time to do it. And they kind of they kind of back that up with the hmm. similar stats that I do. So my intention would be to or is to buy as much as we can and operate as much as we can in that space. One of the problems I've had with syndication models is the sell it in five years plan, right? Like everybody wants to two extra money and then sell it in five years. And I'm like, I just I'm bored with that with that model because I feel like we're always selling the milk cow. Like we're getting a big payday, but then we're selling the milk cow. It's like why? Why are we selling these? And a lot of times it's so that we can meet uh, investor projections or investor returns of 2x equity multiple and 18% of whatever it is, IRR. 
trying to find a way right now to where it's like, hey, we're going to buy this and our plan is to hold it in perpetuity until it makes sense to sell it. And, you know, we haven't perfected that model yet, but maybe trying to work out a way where we can, you know, make the primary objective return of investors capital and then and then sharing the proceeds, you know, like I said, indefinitely. So that's uh, that's a couple of the things that we're working on. And again, because I see such runway in the space right now, it's uh, it's full on acquisition and team building mode. Love it. Well, look, uh, I want to start winding down here. I want to be respectful of your time. I know you got a busy day ahead of you. Before we do, uh, I got a few final questions for you. The first is, what's the what's the biggest challenge that you're facing right now in your business that we could all learn from? Yeah, and I think I mean I wouldn't call it even necessarily a challenge. Uh, it's an opportunity, really, and 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 that is just finding the that that key person or persons that uh, I need that are just in front of me right now. I mean that's that that again is is uh, the the person I'm on the or persons I'm on the hunt for, and so that's that's something that uh, it takes time. And if you want to learn something from that, I mean, again, there's no no ill will towards anybody. So even if the people I'm talking about listen to this, I had it, it just there were some opportunities for that person that came up, but it just didn't seem right. You know, that person came along and I started vetting deals with them, started looking at, started having conversations. I'm like, you know, I don't know why this, this is not the right fit. Mm. It's just not the right fit. And so walking away from that is tough, especially when, I mean, I'm, I am not a patient person. I just admitted that, but I'm not, it's, it's always been a flaw. And it's like, man, I'm ready to go. Like I'm chomping at the bit. Let's start doing some stuff. And it's like, well, I, you know, you can really get burned if you just start doing stuff. So that's uh, you know, pumping the brakes is not my not my uh, mo typically, uh, but that's what I had to do. So yeah, that's uh, that's probably the biggest challenge and opportunity we have right now. And uh, what's something in your business that you're just absolutely crushing right now that you're doing very very well that we could all learn from? You know, content creation. I mean, that's uh, that's something that people say they struggle with, and and I talk to a lot of podcasters like man you know, getting two or three episodes a week, getting those guests, getting everything lined up. Uh, I'll be honest, David, like, I don't even know who I'm talking to until five minutes before the podcast airs. I don't, I got a, I got a system in place. I do seven or do, like you said, 30 pod, 30 podcasts a month or 365 a year. I don't even know who I'm talking to. I sit down, I've got a, a great virtual assistants. I've great, great admins on the back end that handle all of my marketing. And it's just, it's all hands off for me other than the recording side. And that's how I get 365 episodes in a year. I'm a total introvert. And so a day of recording is like, I mean, I'm dead at the end of the day. I don't have any more bandwidth when that day is over, which is today to, you know, take on any more tasks or anything more administratively. So finding those key people and putting those key processes in place where I have a full pipeline of great guests and I don't have to worry about it, man, that's, that's a content creation machine. And I love it. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, look, if we had a little bit more time, I'd dive into the systems behind the podcast. But, uh, you know, uh, I want to be respectful of your time. Tell everybody what is the best way for people to connect with you, learn more about what you have going on, and potentially, you know, uh, get involved with you on a future opportunity. Yep. Go to brickandinvestmentgroup.com. That's B-R-I-C-K-E-N, brickandinvestmentgroup.com. Sign up there for our Brick and Investor Club. There's a join now button. It's free, of course. You can also just call me on my cell phone directly if you got questions. 901 500 6191. Again, 901 500 6191. 
And don't forget to check out Sam's podcast as well, How to Scale Commercial Real Estate Podcast uh, on uh, any you know podcast listener that you like to, to uh, listen to your podcast on. Sam, again, thank you very much for coming on the show, sharing a little bit about your journey and some of your thoughts around you know getting involved in starting in, in the uh, single family space and then transitioning into commercial and some of the steps that you took to get in the commercial space and how you think about you know maybe going left or right when people are going down the center. I love that. And I love the analogy about showing up at the airport and staying to the left lanes. That was great. Look, I, I appreciate you coming on and sharing your journey with us, and I look forward to staying in touch with you down the road. Thank you, David. Hey, before you go, if you and I haven't connected yet, please head on over to canovocapital.com. You can join our investor network or download our free Passive Investor's Guide to Multifamily Syndications. Either way, I'd love to connect with you personally. Also, I just want to thank you for listening to the show and providing feedback and reviews. If you haven't already, please, please, please take a second and leave us a rating and written review. This helps us to be found by new listeners and helps us attract great guests in the future. Thanks again for listening to the show, and I hope you have a great day.